Welcome back to Following Noah Dawn, a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 94, and we are continuing our Stormlight deviation into Arcanum Unbounded. We will be reading the rest of Emperor's Soul today, and then next week we will be doing Shadows for Silence. No, I lied. The Sixth of Dusk is next week, and Shadows for Silence in the Force of Hell is the week after that. After those two, we will be going back into Dawn Shard by Brandon Sanderson in our Stormlight Archive. But in the meantime, let's continue with Emperor's Soul and finish it up today. How are you, Paul? Great. Always happy to finish another story or little book, whatever you want to call this. Uh, gets a nice sense of accomplishment, you know? It's, feels like the shortest story I've ever read, even though we did Edge Dancer in like a week or something, right? But who remembers? Elliot? The, I, this was a good little confidence booster story. It felt like a very bite-sized version of of sanderson but i don't mean that in a negative way at all in fact i I think it was a very positive thing this seems like a very well packaged well delivered sort of i don't know very slick story yeah i agree there's there's no grand you know down our redemption arc over 2000 pages but it's certainly Mm -hmm. a nice packaged you know oh that was that was nice nice little little message in the story we'll talk about here in a second do each of you have one word since this is a a shorter novella to summarize this episode i do my word that i chose was history last time i did artistic right yes history okay and elliot and i had control fabulous Let's use those two words and (sighs) talk about the Emperor's Soul. My urge to do the music is really high. (laughs) I'll I'll go rehearse and then next time we record I'll just do the whole like like the whole musical number. I'll do our whole music piece that we we own, right? Yeah, we own or something. We don't own it, but it does it is it's royalty free if that's what you're Okay. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Do you want to talk about your word or do you want to keep talking about music? Uh, music, please. Okay. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I chose history, uh, because two reasons. One is we get to learn more about how you kind of rewrite history for our items that are soul stamped. Um, as well as I feel like our, I would call her a protagonist now. Um, <laughs> Before, I didn't know what Shy was, but Shy, our main character, um, seems to make history, which I, w- I want to go into more as we go forward, um, but definitely does some pretty heroic and crazy things. I think when we talk about the end of this story, 
halfway through this episode, you'll think that. And then you might change your mind with the deleted prologue, which I'll, <laughs> I'll read in a little bit. But Okay, sure. Elliot? I, I'm intrigued now because Shy definitely grew on me throughout the story. I did not like her when we when we first started. I was like, you know, who who does she think she is? She's just a, a scoundrel. And then by the end, after kind of you know being in her head and going through the the process with her, I I think I was definitely rooting for her in the end. But sorry, that's about Paul's word. I should talk about mine. My <laughs> my word was control, and there is this some interesting tension in the story about control and kind of who is in control of others and should you be in control of others and what does it even mean to have control do we think we have control over something but really that something is controlling us i want to read a quote kind of on the on the story from this a little later so we'll, we'll talk about it more but control was a big theme at coming out of this for me you're not the only one who shy shy grows on in fact she uses for her humanity aspect to this Control. might be a, this yeah i was gonna say this might be a cynical way to put it but as leverage against gautona yep. she assumes that he will help her based on what he's seen which we'll talk about here in a little bit so, I mean, you could even argue that Shy manipulated me and it is controlling right. me as the as the reader, which is scary to think about. No big deal. No. Uh, before we move on, we have a surgeon friend that we should talk about. Please. Um, on our cup this week, uh, which I, if you're watching closely, I don't know how many people watch on YouTube as opposed to, like, as opposed to just listening to audio. But I I wasn't thinking, and I took a sip from my cup and realized the name was on there. And so if it was spoiled prematurely, I am so, so sorry. Uh, but we have Audrey, who Audrey is a surgeon uh, supporter, and we really appreciate it. Um, Thank you, Audrey. I don't know what else to say. Che cheers to Audrey. Thanks so Thank much. You. We really appreciate it. As is there, always. Is there anything on the cup? Any, any written? Um. So I actually chose this intentionally. I, I didn't. I didn't explain last episode. I had a plain, like plain blue cup, and this one is a red cup. But I kind of got them as counter, like they're kind of counterparts. Um, and I was trying to play on the whole colorful artistic thing. I don't know, red and blue. Back and forth to kind of summarize our uh, Emperor's soul as kind of like a little set apart thing. So they're kind of collaborative. They don't have words though, but like I chose them together. I did. So this is the counterpart to our, our blue cup from last episode. That's that's your Easter egg uh, as a listener <laughs> or one viewer, you know. That's so. fabulous. All right, the first thing I want to talk about is a conundrum that Shai has fairly early in this reading, but roughly halfway through the story. And it, it dawns on her that she could actually make sp specific improvements 
on the emperor's soul, the emperor's personality as she's going, and they would it, they would still stick. She could do a couple deliberate deviations from who the emperor is, and improve upon his character, improve upon his mannerisms, if you will. And she does a select few of those, but she deliberately doesn't do that for a lot of what she's thinking. And I was curious to get your guys' reactions of the art of the duplicate is what she's, what she's talking about here is that as close as she can possibly get to the original is the art style here, not improving necessarily upon the original. So she's trying to, she's trying to carve imperfections into him and make him human as close as possible and as opposed to improve everything that she sees could be wrong. What, what were you guys' thoughts on that? I think it, it was a good way of showing she is like like for, for what she's tasked to do She's. it seems like she's just trying to do the best job possible and that is make this a convincing fill in for our emperor right not make the perfect human or leader for this empire but the best dupe because she has this tort short uh, i don't think we explained this last episode she has this short timeline because the king is out of it but people don't know he's like gone mentally right. or everything. So this is kind of a cover up of oh he's recovering, he's recuperating, but he's still his good old good old self. Um and so they're trying to get him to be as true to character as possible. And so Shy is not trying to cover up downsides or things to his personality. She's trying to get him as true to to character. Interestingly, though, Shy gets to talk with. How do you pronounce his name? A Ashravan. 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 Yeah. The emperor himself, which was such a cool scene. She's been working on this, you know, soul this whole time, and finally she gets to talk to her creation, basically. The the last thing she says to him before she leaves her room is, do better this time, please. And then she leaves. And so while she didn't write in like a specific improvements to him, that that's clearly like her wish for him, that he would correct some of those flaws and and go off and and do better and the the implication at the very 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 end of the story like the last paragraph is that he does go on and do better yeah so yeah what an interesting concept of she stays true to who he was but perhaps th somehow through her influence over him he goes on to be a, a better leader and a better person than he would have been otherwise. Although I suppose you can debate whether it's actually him or not. But anyway, yeah, cool. 
dichotomy. Yeah, I, I thought that was super cool. And, and from what I remember, it's she did kind of intentionally tweak something in that she kind of, I don't remember if it was tweaking his perspective or outlook on things or just his uh, perception of just growth and, and, and all this stuff so that as trials come, as everything passes, he like more naturally has the desire to grow or move move in a positive light from that um which is things that seems like a really good tweak to me because it is like he's still making like calling the shots and everything that's going on but it's kind of like a different outlook or approach to it um mildly like just enough to kind of tip the scale that's what i understood Do you guys remember the epilogue of Oathbringer? And Hoyd has a, a full rant about art and how all great art, art is hated by someone. And you have to create great art. And if it's hated by someone, that's actually a good thing because maybe that means somebody loves it. And if everybody thinks it's meh, then it's you know it's not great. But if somebody really dislikes it, that means somebody might really like it and there's appeal to everybody and you can't you can't create anything that's just okay however at the end of the epilogue it dawns on him that his disguise is soup so bland that it's water and that is the art that he's that that's the art that he's created he's he's trying to blend in and that is the the art that he has created because none of the fused recognize him otherwise they they would so that's what shy is doing here she's trying to create the closest to the original as possible so that nobody notices and that's the masterpiece that that nobody actually notices the difference between the painting the emperor and it's on display for everybody to see and nobody notices that it's different That right there, though, this is my own personal opinion, it illustrates the line between art and imitation and how they're different for me. It, the definition of art is something that evokes or awakens or causes within the person who sees it or experiences it. Whereas imitation, like in our example there of Hoyd does such a good job with his disguise that he's his soup is so so good it's it's water. That that's the opposite of what art actually is. That it, a perfect imitation does not inspire anything or it's not noticeable. Whereas I think in order for something to be actual art, that it has to be noticeable. That's just my own thoughts, though. So would you? agree with Gautona that Shai's masterpiece is the art itself and not the imitation. Like, in Shai's opinion, her her accomplishment is nobody notices it's different. And in Gautona's opinion, her accomplishment is the painting itself that you have created art, even though it's a 
an invitation, that you, you should be proud of your painting ability. And Gaut and Shy is saying, no, I'm proud of the fact that nobody's going to know it's me. That's what I'm that that's what I'm proud of is no one's going to know this is not the emperor or a new emperor or whatever you want to argue there. I think she has and demonstrates incredible skill as a forger and an imitator. Surpassing so in, in the actual physical skill itself, that of perhaps the original artist or person. However, I think what she has created, both her painting, that's kind of the metaphor, and the emperor's soul itself, I think the final product is not art because its its purpose is to not be recognized. Its purpose is to not impact those that come across it. And therefore, I don't think it is. If you want to get really deep into the weeds of, of def trying to define what those two are. Sure. I I I think it is art, and I I want to explain why. Also, I'm gonna take a little step back and look at Shy's motives. Um, so for one, I didn't think Shy was actually going to make this soul stamp for the Emperor for a long time, because she's kind of in the back of her head, like, okay, how am I going to escape? How am I going to escape? The Blood Sailor comes at this time. Can I like delay him and get out? Like, all this stuff. But she does... Like, she does escape. Like, two days early. Something around then. Yep. Um, And... But she doesn't just escape and take off. She goes to Ashravan and gives him the stamp, and it works, and she sees it works, and is proud of that, all that stuff. Um, But it, her mode from what I understand, her motive for doing that is that is the biggest dupe possible, right? If you do a painting, you're fooling a thousand people or a couple thousand people. Imitating the emperor of this entire nation, like you're fooling a million plus people. And that's get like, that's what she Flying until that's what she wants, that's what she takes pride in and everything. And so this is just such like this is her biggest work of art art. Like this is her pièce de résistance, you know? Um that is just like really huge for her. So at least to her she's viewing it as as like her her biggest art piece ever. So I think the descriptor that I would give Shy is more that of a craftsman. I think she is an incredible craftsman and has created something of incredible skill and functionality. Where where I differ is is claiming that it's it's art. But yeah, it, it's a fine it's a fine line, very very fine line. Yeah. Like she's not coming up with it on her own and creating this new thing. Exactly. Exactly. What do you guys think? That makes sense. Shalon would classify her as. Would Shalon think she's an artist? Shalon views herself as an artist. And she has, you know, pencil sketch skill and is an artist. But she she would describe her light weaving, her improving of Bluth that we talked about last episode as art. She she would she would classify that as as art. 
But I think where we're finding the difference is the skill it takes to see something and sketch it accurately and like well is an incredible talent. But I think, at least from what I understand what Elliot was saying, we're classifying art as the creativity to like imagine a beautiful landscape or like whatever and and to draw that like out of out of like a creative mindset not necessarily copying like a or or to continue that comparison there the the elements that Shalon adds to Bluth that's the the creative process there of she sees who Bluth is she doesn't draw an exact copy a photograph of him she draws him as she imagines he could be and that element of it is the art that's i i could maybe be convinced otherwise and i don't know that i feel super strongly about this but that that's kind of how i think about it i think it's it's also i i actually think it's kind of a red herring to try and compare them because they do both like draw yeah. things very accurately and well um, but Shalon, it's more of like a place of having these sketches to know and remember and see and like scientific per like it serves more of a like logistical purpose, um, especially whenever she sketches people to then like understand and remember clearly what they look like so she can light weave them well, like illusions of them um, where shy, it is like a painting to be viewed like kind of thing like like for art purposes um where shalon is like it's more of taking notes very well than like being like artful i guess So going back to our original little tangent that we had at the beginning of the episode, is Shy manipulating Gautona? Gautona asks himself, as he shows up to her on the last day as she's escaping, he has her essence mark with him, and he knows she needs it to to escape the, the palace. And she's counting on him to do to help her escape and he asks himself am i being manipulated by you yes the the answer is yes and i think gautona realizes it and shy even kind of explains it a little bit the interesting part is that she she didn't manipulate him with lies she manipulated him with truth she she was genuine with him she told him some of her inner struggles. She told him what she actually did. But she knew that by creating that genuine connection between the two of them, that Gautona would want to help her down the line. So it was, it was being honest and it was being truthful with someone with the slightly sneaky motive that you know you're going to need them on your side later. It's true. And uh, Shime, it, in the part where she is being 
honest and, and straightforward. She mentions like how hard that is and it's painful and and stuff, which gave me a lot of Shalon energy. Uh, there's some some similarities. So obviously, Shalon is not only light song but also shy. So we have that. Um, I don't even need to flesh that out. That's just understood. So okay. moving forward, um, <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> I I can take us back to manipulating and control if you'd like. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, yes, she's very honest with her, and she kind of Shy is very honest with Galtona, and, and internally she's admitting to herself or talking to herself about like how. It is difficult, but sometimes it's the right thing to do, um, and and there's no way you can like lie yourself through things and and stuff. So, I before I give an opinion on is shy manipulating Gautona here. I feel like I would want to reread the later half of our story uh, because I mean they. They talk a lot. That's like most of our dialogue. I feel like is between them, right? Um, so I'd want to see because in my head right now, as someone who has read this through one one time straight, um, in my head right now, I'm like, no, they don't. She hasn't really manipulated her more than I quote manipulate y'all by like giving answers that invoke responses and stuff like, right? You know. Like, in the same way that I say things to people or interact with people that influences what they're going to do back most of the time. Um, that's kind of how I've thought of this. But um, if I was to really stand or die on a hill, I, I would want to reread this first. So, <laughs> and, and look more at the dialogue and what's really happening, too. With that in mind, I, did, I, did, I didn't have that thought on my mind while reading this. And I think you're touching on the the fact that there's a gray air the gray areas in between manipulation and influence and control, like they can be similar. They're they're very different. Like there's there's ways that you can lie to manipulate someone, or you can do what Shy's doing here and tell someone the truth and and create a genuine connection to them in order to create a, a result in the future is that manipulation or is that just influence like that that's the question but that ties into actually the quote that i that i wanted to read from one of these one of these conversations between shy and gautona so let me, let me go ahead and just read it here people by nature attempt to exercise power over what is around them we build walls to shelter us from the wind Roofs to stop the rain. We tame the elements, bend nature to our wills. It makes us feel as if we're in control. Except in doing so, we merely replace one influence with another. Instead of the wind affecting us, it is a wall. A man-made wall. The fingers of man's influence are all about, all about touching everything. Man-made rugs, man-made food. Every single thing in the city that we touch, see, feel, experience, comes as a result of some person's influence. We may feel in control, but we never truly are unless we understand people. Controlling our environment is no longer about blocking the wind. It's about knowing why the serving lady was crying last night, or why a particular guard always loses at cards, or why your, or your employer hired you in the first place. 
And it just brings up an interesting question of, we think we've conquered nature by building a house. And we say, oh, nature doesn't control me anymore because I have a house. But now you're reliant on that house. So that house has an element of control over you. So, so the perspective of it all can change how you think about it. Very thought-provoking, at least it was for me. Anything else before I take us down a Cosmere bunny trail? Uh-oh. Um, like... On the on the whole thing. Okay, I do have something then. Um, it's actually with the like postscript. I thought was cool. I think that's what it's called. I don't remember the title exactly. Yep. But Brandon Sanderson kind of talks about his motivation or how he came up with this, this whole thing. Um, he said, I believe it was a Korean thing because he spent he spent a good amount of time in korea on like a mission for two years yep all this stuff and it's like uh, in his in korean history i guess um i'm i'm gonna get some of this wrong so paraphrasing in korean history uh there were like kings or leaders that whenever they there was an art piece or something that they really liked or a sculpture or something they would stamp their seal on it uh, oh, that that would be like a thing. Like the the artist may put their like seal or signature on it, you know, to claim it was their work, something to be proud of. Uh, but if like a leader really really liked it, they might do that as well to kind of have an element of ownership and also just to show their like pride in it or, or stuff. And I just thought that was really interesting. Um, I don't know if you have more insight into that, Trevor, because you know more than me on on Brandon Sanderson's mind. But I, I thought that was a really neat topic, and that's how Brandon Sanderson got started on this like stamps to kind of re-identify an object, um, and he kind of just ran with that ball. So I, I thought that was a really really cool thing, and as far as I know, the first thing that was really rooted in some form of history on planet earth which is a planet we haven't talked about much on this podcast so <laughs> i don't have too much to add you summarized it fairly well and i can tell the postscript really grabbed your attention but the that's very common for brandon sanderson is he'll find something he'll find like one piece of a an element of a culture and he'll just run with that and create a whole new world a whole new magic system based on that one element and he'll just run with it. So mm -hmm. another example is uh, a planet called the first of the sun, which is in the Cosmere, the sixth of dusk, which we'll be reading next week is set there. Uh, there's a very similar mechanic there and I will talk about it more then, but we, uh, he, he has another unpublished novella that he read at the Cytonic release party. Um, it's on YouTube if you want to go uh listen to it but he he reads basically the first chapter of an unpublished novella from sixth of the uh from first of the sun and it has a very similar mechanic of there is a there's a king and his family and then there's another family 
in the dynasty that is the, called the Kingmakers. And the Kingmakers, their whole job is to have their own dynasty of themselves. They don't have any control over, over anything. They just choose the next king. And that's that's their whole job. Of So they have, kind of have their own family tree, and the dynamic is you have to influence that family. But they don't really have any power besides saying who's going to be the next king. So anyway, that there's a whole there's a whole concept of the where he runs with a whole story based on that. It was definitely cool to get a little glimpse into behind the curtain a little bit and see like some of the the influence on on Brandon Sanderson and where he got some of this. I, I thought that was a really cool little little few pages at the end. Anything else before I do a little bit of reading? Go for it. All right. I linked it for you guys so you guys can follow along if you like. This is, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it is going to take me several minutes to read what I would like to. So feel free to follow along if you would prefer. And this is the deleted prologue, and I will talk about why he deleted it after I'm done. Shai wrote out with some difficulty the word limestone in the key representing the stone block she just identified. Honestly, she growled as she worked. They sentenced a girl to death. They could at least give her a sheet of paper. A sheet of paper, the amused voice came from the outside of the cell. You actually asked for one. Shai jumped at the voice, standing and tucking her hand behind her back to hide the fork, stealing, st stealing that had been unpleasant if she lost it. But it was only the court fool. The man's hawkish face was capped by a three-pointed jester crown, though it was a simple white and black, not the traditional brazen colors. He wore a black coat, long and flowing, almost like one of the grands. He shouldn't have been able to get away with such deviations. The grands liked their fools on the silly side and of ridiculous. Come to mock me, Shy snapped, burning back to her, turning back to her carving. I don't mock the condemned, the fool said from beyond the cellar bars. Did you really ask them for paper, Shy? I've been sentenced to death. They are supposed to meet my requests during my last week of life. It's traditional. You're a master forger, he replied. Giving you paper would be like handing a sword to a captive soldier who asked for one politely. She snorted, counting up blocks on the wall and carving out a few more notes. I can't do much with only paper. If she had sold stone. It's the principle of the thing, I suspect, the fool said, still sounding amused. How wonderful that her life and its impending end could end, could bring uh, pleasure to the imperial fool. There are 44 kinds of stone in that in the wall, you know, he said. She spun. You know them? He'd taken, a lean, he'd taken to leaning back against the wall, arms folded, cleaning out one fingernail with another. Top left. The one you've been trying to, so long to figure out. That's grindstone from a quarry in Lao. Let Leo? Whatever. Something like that. Tell me the others, Shai said, dropping the fork and pressing up against the bars. Fool, tell me what they are. I could, he said. Well, would they really help? Assuming you knew all 44, assuming you knew their histories and the quarries that came from, what would you do? Create a seal from the wall in just two days? Carve yourself a soul stamp out of what? Wood? Even if you had the proper stone, you'd use a fork to etch it? She looked down at the fork, dropped behind on the ground. 
The wall is a challenge, Shy, the fool said. She closed her eyes. She'd known it deep down. A wall of patchwork stones? It was a puzzle meant to occupy a forger. Something to make them spend their time and make them forget for a little while about the noose. But what else was she to do? Give up? Try to forge the bars instead? They'd been made with Rockalist, the unforgeable element. She'd got nowhere trying with that. I am sorry about this, the fool said. You? You're just the court fool. Why should I care if you... You? You're the one who turned me in. Yes. Knights, why? I couldn't let you steal the scepter. What? What? Suddenly you're a loyal subject? Knights, fool. You should have come, come to me. I'd have offered you gold to keep my secret. I couldn't let you steal it, the fool continued, because I had to steal it myself. Shy froze. Your duplicate, I might add, the fool said, hands clasped behind his back, was quite useful. Thank you. Shy was a forger. She hadn't spent her life studying the way people thought and the best ways to fool them. She knew the spot another fake. She knew how to spot another fake when she saw one. All this time, the pieces twisted, fitted into her place one, one with another. He had duped her. He had duped them all, the Grands, the Empire itself. Shy's anger melted away like cold spring runoff, and she found herself raising two curled fingers to, a fore, to her forehead. A salute. If he had pulled this off, knights, she was in the presence of a master. The fool smiled. A chance is coming your way, Shy, he said. A chance? A sign of respect from one liar to another. It is not much. I must leave this place, and my time to arrange an opportunity for you was narrow. But you are clever. It might be enough. What are you talking about? Keep your wits sharpened, the fool said, turning to go. Be careful. Be keen. It has been an interesting dance sparring with you. Fool? I have money. A lie. I can offer... He turned toward her, meeting her eyes. In that moment, the imperial fool changed. His face grew somber, became steel, and his eyes. In his eyes lay an eternity, an age. She knew people. She had studied people. This man cared for nothing for bribes. This man was just not just a master. He was something far beyond that. A shiver ran through her. Knights, what are you? Why must people always ask that? A faint smile rose on his lips. You will not see me again. Farewell. He slipped up the steps on the near silent feet. Shy watched him go. I mean, that can only be one person, right? I th th There's no like one thing I can point to that's the clue or something specific to draw comparisons, although I, I bet they're there. But everything about that character just screams Hoyd. Right? I think it's pretty pretty apparent. So what really was the nail in the coffin in my mind was just the like seeing an eternity in his eyes and all of that. I'm gonna read a little bit more, but yet uh from Brandon himself about why he deleted this, but in what I'm about to read, yes, he does confirm that it is Hoyd. I also it also gave me some other thoughts which I noticed, but I'm going to uh, type them in our live reactions channel for patrons under spoiler because it's something I noticed I think connected to the Mistborn world, oh. and so 
I don't know if Trevor Trevor knows what I'm talking about or not. I actually don't know. So it's it's I don't know what you're referring to, but it's been a while okay. since I've read what you're reading. So yeah, okay. I gotta say, I'm not surprised at all to see Hoyd in this world. I mean, we, Trevor, I think you've already told us that Hoyd is is the common thread through a lot of these stories, right? So we're we're kind of already on the lookout for him. And even when I just saw the name Imperial Fool in the previous one, I thought, oh, wit. We we know a a character who fills a a similar role to that. So I I'm not surprised. I am kind of curious what he's doing here. Hoyd, we we know that Hoyd's motive is to stop odium, right? So, what what is important here that Hoyd is is trying to collect this scepter or information he's trying to learn to to stop odium? I'm curious. So, you net, I mean, you now know just as much as we do that he's after a scepter that Shy was also after, and he uses her duplicate to i mean very conveniently just steals her duplicate and uses it to steal the actual scepter and then leaves and then there's also the detail of i've set up an opportunity for you to live did you guys catch that he's i missed that he sets up he he says uh a chance is coming your way shy a sign of respect from one liar to another. It's not much. I must leave this place, and my time to arrange an opportunity for you was narrow. But you are clever. It might be enough. Do you understand the implications there? I mean, the conclusion you could potentially jump to from that is that Hoyd created the situation in which Shy is about to find herself, which is trying to resurrect a assassinated emperor. Correct. So is is Hoyd our assassin? Great question. I didn't think about him being the assassin, but I we know he's supposed to be in places for a reason. We know that much. And so in my head, giving Shy the opportunity to live and then do I I would just consider like I'm just gonna say it point blank that what she did for the Emperor was good. Like it seems like it was a outright good thing to do. Um and so like the opportunity to not just save her, but she does good and I don't know, makes the world a better place. You know? Right. So All right, I'm going to read the the editor's note down at the bottom here. When Brandon first wrote this novella and sent it around for alpha readers, it included the scene above. Brandon replaced it with the current prologue featuring Gautona due to feedback from Mary Robinette Kowal. One explanation for this may be found in writing uh, Excuses episode, which is this podcast, that talks about the novella. Here's an edited version of the transcript uh, provided by Mike Barker. This is Mary Robinette speaking. So this segues into one of the major structural changes that you made, which is that when I first read this, you started in Shy's point of view. Brandon Sanderson. Yes, in prison. And she met with the Imperial Fool, who is Hoyt, the character who passes between all of my books. 
It was a great insider scene with a sparring duel between Hoyd and Shy. I wrote it that way, not necessarily for the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, but because I felt that for my readers, having him nod to her in respect immediately builds her up as a strong character. So by taking the great master of this sort of thing from my worlds and having her interact with him was going to be a great way to start her off. It was cool. It got me into the story. And then once I was finished writing the story, the scene no longer had a place in it. The Fool was a character whose dynamic was different and Shy has this whole conversation with him. And then he vanishes and never reappears. The story is actually about her relationship with Gautona. The Fool appearing in the prologue was just the wrong thing. He, he cut it because it was just distracting for uh, a lot of alpha readers and they, he wanted to focus more on Katona as opposed to Hoyd. So that's why it was, that's why it was cut, but it's still here for us to read if we'd like. So. And, and I think, I think that cut makes perfect sense. I think this story shines in its relative simplicity and that, we can just kind of pick up a a thief, a scoundrel in a in a a bit of a bind, and then kind of journey with her as she figures out what to do, gets gets pulled into the work that she's doing, builds this relationship up with Gautona, has to face this decision of do I go through with this? Do I I create this masterpiece? Do I not? Do I escape? Do I save myself? I, I do think. I agree with those comments there that I think introing this with Hoyd, especially for anyone who would recognize who that is, would have distracted from the simplicity of this, this story, which I think helped the story and that there was less to kind of get you wrapped up, wrapped around. I I do think it was a good, like, it makes it makes a lot of sense that it was taken out. I what Brandon Sanderson said in the like editor's note thing about having Hoyd kind of like nod to Shy as a good forger, like kind of giving her some esteem in our eyes, right? Is really cool. I was I was gonna point this out because in our story here, like the whole story, I feel like no one is even close to Shy's level. Like, we don't really see anyone who has anywhere near the like cunningness, cleverness, knowledge, everything. Um, in our story, like the only thing I could think of is maybe our blood sealer, but it doesn't feel like he's clever at all. He just has the tools c- to contain her, right? Um, in this space, yeah. so um, no one, no one really seems to come close. So Shy seems kind of like a superhuman in here, which she kind of is. But I, I, I do like the perspective of like she is still just like kind of an uh, an ant compared to to Hoyd. Like she's just kind of baffled uh, by him, and I, I think that's cool. I, I, I like the the perspective that can be provided there. Because honestly, that may be bigger than we get in Stormlight, really. Like, like Hoyt is still kind of our ridiculous character who has really cool moments, but we don't really see him in, like, a majestic, 
awe-inspiring light. Like, we kind of see through Shy's eyes where, like, the descriptions were very... I'm going to use the word again, awe-inspiring. Like, like she's kind of in awe of him and kind of has a moment of, like, what, what could possibly be your story or background? Because it's just way too vast for me to wrap my mind around. Yeah. It usually takes a Stormlight character several conversations with Hoyt to pick up on that, that, wait, who exactly are you? And Shy, who's made it her profession of studying people and forging people she recognizes that almost immediately of you're not what you seem to be so trevor this is a a deleted prologue where does this sit in dare i say that the the canon of all the the works is it's not part of the story and i think i I agree with the reason for not including it because it distracts from the emperor's soul story, but can we take the the bits that we've we've learned here, little clues here about Hoyd, perhaps, and apply them elsewhere, or are they completely deleted? In- you need look no further than the bottom of this page to answer your question. It says, in terms of canonicity, can- canonicity, you will notice the various details in the above scene contradict with details of Shai's imprisonment in the final version of the novella. However. Brandon considers a conversation between Shy and the Fool very much like the one presented above to be part of official continuity. There we go. Okay. There you go. Okay. So the the main takeaway is Shy impresses Hoyd and Hoyd has a scepter. That's that that's if you're looking for Cosmere connections, that's what your that's what your takeaway is. Duly noted. All right. Anything else for The Emperor's Soul by Brandon Sanderson? It was a fun little read. I enjoyed it. I agree. I agree. It had a it had a succinctness to it that the other Sanderson works we've we've read don't have. And that was that it was an interesting change of pace. I, I really enjoyed it. Kind of the start to finish, you can read the whole thing in, you know, Maybe an hour or two if you're if you're dedicated and you can kind of just digest it quickly and enjoy it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Glad to hear it. We'll be reading the sixth of dusk next week. And then the Shadows for Silence and the Force of Hell the week after that. And then returning to Donshard, so two more weeks in Arcanum Unbounded. So thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot, and we'll keep reading. My righty. Peace out.